0: Well, welcome back to our church podcast in the cave of Adullam. Um, My name's Joe Standwick. I work as a student pastor at Mourners Church, and I'm here with Danny Rolander, who's a senior pastor. Hello. Um, Now, our purpose with these podcasts is to lift the bonnet on church life and to ask why. Why do we do the things that we do? Now, today we're going to be talking about Christmas. Um, It's the Toddlers' Christmas event happening right now. We've got Christmas carols coming up on Sunday evening in two days' time. I'm here in my Christmas jumper. Looking very good. It's frosty outside. It's beautiful. And we want to ask, why do we bother with Christmas? So Danny, over to you. Why do we bother putting on
1: Christmas events each year? The the thing that strikes me is that that expenditure of energy, um, which is not just those of us who are kind of leading and preaching, but the the whole church family, um, always comes at the most inconvenient time possible because it's at the end of a busy term. um, Everyone's flat out. People have got coughs and colds and we're all busy sorting out Christmas at home and then this this feels like it actually feels like a kind of an annual crisis doesn't it <laughs> sometimes it's just getting getting through Christmas yeah. um so I but I do think it's worth it yeah um and I think personally speaking the thing that I need to do first of all is to combat my my own inner Scrooge which wants me to kind of give up on Christmas and say look let's just leave it to the world um it's a You know it's a pagan festival um let's just crack on with what we normally do um which is talking about jesus because we always want to present the gospel we want to do church normally um my inner scrooge says um let's not bother doing anything different at christmas we'll we'll just leave it to um uh to 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 the, the commercial secular world and the religious world and we'll crack on and do our own thing um but when I reflect on the message of Christmas, um, and I've just had the, the the pleasure of listening to your talk for Sunday night, and just hearing again about the um, incredible um, good news that Christmas is, um, it reminds me that actually this is the news that our world needs. Um, this is what everybody on my street needs to hear. It's what my family need. Um, it's what the world needs because in Jesus, God is bringing, as we're going to hear on Sunday night, peace to earth, peace that we need, um, bringing an end to grief, to conflict, to war. Uh, And so we need to keep speaking this. Um, And then more pragmatically, um, Christmas still is a part of our culture, isn't it? Um, Of course, very little remains Christian, and what remains Christian is often confused um, so, um, you might talk about the kind of the, the secular trimmings and the religious trimmings as well. But there is this tiny little slither of the cultural tradition that means people associate Christmas with Jesus. And um, people still do nativity stories at school? Have your children done I was at one two days ago,
0: <laughs> yeah. And there was, yeah, it was a story of the shepherds and the angels, and they talked about Jesus being the saviour. Yeah. And that was at a school that isn't a Christian school. Yeah. yeah. By title, and yeah,
1: we yeah. had the Nativity story. Yeah. And so, if people are, if people are talking about Jesus, then we want to be talking about Jesus because that's our that's our big thing. Um, I suppose another thing
0: um, that I've been struck by over the past couple of weeks is the census results that have been published in the UK. So in England and Wales. 46, I think 46.2% of people still identify as Christian, um, which is an amazing opportunity. That means that 46% of people are probably not going to be averse to coming to a carol service. And that's not to mention the 54% of people who might come as well. So there's a huge portion of our society who would say yes to an invite to carols and who would come
1: along. That's right. It it amazes me actually how, um, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever been offended by an invitation that I've made to a carol service Um, and most people see it as quite normal you know we were flying yesterday night and Emma got chatting to somebody and just said oh you know come along and he said yeah there's nothing like a carol service it's part of it's just part of the tradition that's great to hear
0: so yeah that's the opportunities that Christmas brings There are also challenges, aren't there? One of the challenges is for uh, the preacher speaking at Christmas. Um, So I'm speaking this Sunday evening at our evening carols, and I'm speaking on some very familiar verses in Luke chapter two, where the angels appear and they praise God saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so a big challenge that I've got that we've been talking about this morning is how do I go from that message of the angels to the cross of jesus which is where i want people to mm. to get to and understand mm. um, and i think the reason i want to get people there is because i read in verse 14 mm. on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests mm. and if that's peace between god and humankind that peace can only come through the death and resurrection of jesus yeah. so i want people to know that at christmas <clears throat> but it's very challenging to go from the crib yeah. to the cross yeah and I'm sure you found that yeah, as well. Yeah, I think that,
1: I think that um, preaching at Christmas is one of the hardest gigs that we get to do. Um, it really is very, very stretching and difficult. Um, and there are pros and cons of being in the infancy narratives. Um, they all do contain the theology of the gospel. So this week, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. That's what you're going to be talking about. That And that, that, that really does take us there. Next week, in the morning, Nathan's gonna be talking about the, the passage just before, where Christ is named as the savior. Um, and it's good news, you know, the gospel language. So the theology of the gospel is is there in the infancy narratives. And you don't have to sort of explain the full um, ins and outs of penal substitutionary atonement in great detail. But I think you're absolutely right that the the Um, if we can put it this way, the um, incarnation of Jesus is not the gospel the crucifixion is where the gospel really comes to a climax because that's where the purpose of Jesus coming uh, is fulfilled so if we only give people the incarnation and the nativity, we're not really preaching the gospel, we might be doing some good we might be giving people a, a, a thought about God and about Um, something to to think about, but we've got to take them to the death and resurrection of Jesus at some point. Um, And I think this is partly why I I like to use passages other than the (laughs) infancy narratives as well. So um, uh, I think the year before last, we did 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a trustworthy saying, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. On Christmas Day this year, um, I'm going to speak on John 3.16. Um, which I've never done before for Christmas because but I think it's a fantastic Christmas passage God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life um, the trick though I think when you do those other passages is that you still have to make them Christmassy <laughs> you still have to um, kind of refer to the, the baby in the manger otherwise you've not delivered uh, what people are expecting so When I'm preparing a Christmas talk, I've got two things in mind, I suppose. Um, I want to meet people's expectations, but I also want to confound those expectations. And I think that that's the kind of line we're walking. Um, I want to meet their expectations because this is a Christmas talk and people want to hear about the baby Jesus and, and angels and shepherds. But I want them to go away with something really profoundly serious to think about that will actually confound their expectations and show them that this is much bigger and much more important than than they thought. And the reason that it matters that the the church family know that that's what we're doing is because it means we can invite people liberally. Um, If we're inviting people to something where we know there's going to be a great welcome, there's going to be clarity, it's going to be accessible, it's not going to be cheesy, we know that the only offence is going to be the gospel. Mm. And I think if we do our work as preachers, um, then it means people can just do that, that very liberal invitation. They can invite anybody and everybody and uh, people will hear the gospel and, and go away challenged. Mm. That's brilliant. That brings us to the subject of
0: cow services and Christmas events in general. Um, we've got some goals, haven't we, with these events? And it's worth being clear on what we're trying to achieve. Um, we know that people will be coming into, say, a carol service from very different backgrounds and of very different stages of understanding about Christianity. For some people, this might be the very first time they've heard about Jesus. Yeah. Um, for other people, they might be a lot further down the track, and maybe their friends have had lots of conversations with them before this point, mm. and so we're trying to help all of them uh, take steps in in understanding who Jesus is yeah. and in, in coming to follow him. Um, and so the whole package is important, yeah. isn't it, yeah. on, a, on a Sunday? Yeah.
1: I think as, um, I, as I'm trying to reach um, people for Christ, I think it's always worth having that, that pathway in mind um, and to be patient and to kind of trust God to move people along at his own pace um, and not to try and do everything at once. I think, it's, I think that's really helpful. It, with each, take each individual person and think, where are they at? Is this the first time they've ever walked into church? Is this the first conversation I've had with them? Um, or actually, is this a, the end of a long journey and, and I want them actually to make a, a commitment? It's always helpful. Um, and I think this is where the whole package of the carol service um, comes to be important. Um, it's not just about the content of the message, is it? It's about the whole experience. We're inviting people to get a glimpse of our church family. Um, We're saying to people, this is where we meet, even getting people inside the building and saying this is where we meet regularly. Um, We're introducing people to other members of the church family. We're showing them a little taste of Christian generosity, Christian hospitality. And so the content of the talk um, is just one part of the package. It's one part of the effort that we need to expend. The other part of the effort is actually the whole church family working as a team um, to make sure that, that that welcome hospitality and the community is, is in evidence. Yeah.
0: Isn't it great we've got the Christmas bell with us as Yeah, well that's today. right. Yeah, just tell podcast. us where
1: nearly, nearly time's up.
0: Um, I suppose in practice, for, for those who are part of our church family who are thinking about the carol service, um, I just want to give a few uh, sort of practical things about this Sunday, some encouragements for you. Um and and in any Christmas event that we do as a church, please be there. Um, even if your friends uh, say no or they they can't make it, um, do sing out. I've been a Carol services where people don't sing yeah. and it's quite awkward. Yeah, um, we want to sing out and show that we believe the things that we're that we're singing. Be friendly. Um, try and welcome people's guests who are there, and be helpful. So things like when the leader says, now's the time to fill out a response slip. It can be helpful if you fill fill one of those out to make it easier for your friend who comes. Um, try and think about the, the evening as an opportunity to encourage others and, and serve others.
1: So if, if, if someone is kind of feeling disappointed that their friends have all said no, or perhaps they've decided this isn't the one to invite people to, that's fine. Um, come along anyway. And be part of it, and that that singing out is incredibly important. Mm. Um, people seeing that you're convinced about this as well, and actually, just even if you can't do that because maybe you've got a sore throat or something, just being a body there in the building um, actually is a contribution. It's part of the team. It says yeah, yeah. That, it says that we believe in this. So come,
0: and it will helps warm the chapel. Anyway. It does. It
1: will do. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, I was in the chapel yesterday, and at one point it was six degrees. So. I'm really hoping we can get that, that number up by Sunday. <laughs> so please do come.
0: <laughs> um, I suppose the final thing uh, to talk about is, is how, we, how we get people there. Mm. Um, we've got flyers that we produce every year, um, but it's about much more than flyers yeah. and, and WhatsApp mm. messages. Mm. Um, it really comes down to personal invites and mm. personal friendships and relationships. That's a big topic we could uh, we could talk about, and I think we will come back to that at some point in a future uh, podcast um, talking about personal evangelism. Um, but you mentioned to me earlier that, that there's there's two traps to avoid in this as we think about hmm. helping our friends come to know the message of Jesus. Could you could you share those those traps? Yeah,
1: and um, I think this is just speaking personally, really, that um, I find um, two kind of things going on in my head. Um, one is that I think this is all about me. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to do it all myself. Um, and therefore, when I'm thinking about my own personal evangelism, um, it can become quite crushing and guilt-inducing um, if each individual Christian has this idea that we have got to be the capital E evangelist. We've got to be like Philip in Acts eight or like Paul in Athens. Um, and we've got to have all the answers um, to people's apologetic questions. Uh, we've got to be the expert on everything. And we alone have got to push people through that discipleship pathway from first contact to conversion and beyond. If we think like that, then unless we're a very rare, gifted person, you know, like the Apostle Paul or something like that, we're going to end up um Crushed with guilt and disappointment, um, we will start treating people like sort of projects to tick off um, and evangelism will 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 not be a joy it'll just be this uh, this kind of burden um th- that that isn't really helpful helpful to anybody so the answer to that is to remember the team or in the language of the New Testament the body mm. um, God has given us. This wonderful Christian community with lots of different gifts and we are to help each other in this effort of reaching our city for Christ. And what that means is some people might be great introducers, some people might have wonderful capacity for friendships, uh, some people might be great inviters, some people um, might be able to sit down and open the Bible with somebody and explain two ways to live. And, And I want to... Equip as many people as I can to do that, but at the end of the day, we all have different gifts and we all have a different contribution to make. And practically, that goes back to what you were saying before: that I can bring a friend to the carol service, but I can also talk to your friend. Um, I can sing up. I can make the, you know, I can hand someone a, a cup of mulled wine. I can have a conversation. Um, we're we're in it together, and it's the countercultural community that we call church that is itself part of the way God is working to, to bring people to himself. So I want to kind of liberate people a little bit and say, this isn't all resting on your shoulders. We're, we're, we're doing it together. And I think that's something we can, we can talk about. But the flip side of that is for me to let myself completely off the hook and think I can just leave this to other people. Mm. So the first, the first trap is to think it's all about me. The second trap is to think it's not about me. And as I look at the New Testament, I do see a challenge um, that I should be ready um, to speak the gospel and I should be prayerful, it should be part of my my prayers that I'm praying that God will give me opportunities Um, and I should be proactive, um, as proactive as I can to give people the good news of Jesus um, whenever I can. Um, And I find, I don't know about you, Joe, but I find when I have an opportunity to speak the gospel, there's an inner battle that I'm always dealing with. Um, I think I've said this before, I've read a lot of books on evangelism and I never I never feel like an expert. I never feel that I'm good at it. Um, this battle is basically an, an instinct to run away, an instinct to bottle it, um, basically because I, I want people to like me. Um, and I don't want them to think that I, I'm I'm stupid, but then the, the gospel comes in and I tell myself, actually, this is good news, this is real, and this is what people need. And I had, a, I had an example of that the other day, I was speaking to a man who was, I'd just met actually, um, very sad man, very sad life story. Um, and he was he just had a desperately awful um, time and, and was very bitter about it. And I thought, well, I've got five minutes to talk to this, this guy. Um, I can either um, just listen to him and sympathise and let him go away and thinking I'm a nice guy, or I can give him what he really needs, which is the gospel. And so I think the most important thing we can do in personal evangelism is not try and become experts. I'm not saying don't read the books. The books can be helpful. But don't think you've got to read the books (laughs) in order to share the gospel. The most important thing we can do is to to preach the gospel to ourselves, and to actually come back to that Christmas message: God is real, heaven and hell are real, Jesus has come into the world to save sinners. It really is good news, and nobody else has the answer to those problems but but us. Um, and um, you know, in Paul in two Corinthians five fourteen puts it like this: For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and that, to me, is the thing that is going to keep us breaking through that discomfort line to, to, to speak a word about Jesus.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful. There's lots there we could we could talk about. And I think we'll try and do that at some point in the future. Um, I hope that's been helpful for you as you listen, as we thought about uh, Christmas together and how we uh, introduce our friends to the good news of Jesus. Um, maybe we'll see you over the next few weeks um, at our Christmas
1: events. But we'll say bye for now. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks, Joe.